Hello, everyone, and welcome to We Run Shuffle, the podcast where we hit shuffle on Comfort TV. Uh, and it's also the only podcast this week on the Viewpoints Network that is coming out on time. Woohoo! Go us! <laughs> Uh, this is our ninth episode, so if you're just starting here, make sure to visit viewpointsonline.org or search for the Viewpoints Network on Anchor FM or Spotify and check out our other episodes. Uh, my name is Tim, middle name redacted Nacy. <laughs> yeah, that's why I turned it from a like, cryptid reference into a Parks and Rec reference. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the multimedia editor uh, here at Viewpoints, the host of way too many podcasts, and also looking to get us into other styles of broadcasting because I don't have enough work, apparently. Uh, right? You know, we can think of some stuff for you to do around here. Hi, I am Leo. Pronouns are they, them. I am the editor-in-chief at Viewpoints. I am a queer and transmasculine non-binary multimedia journalist. Uh, I love Halloween, scary stories, horror comedy, and cartoons. Yeah, bases I think that are all touched this week. Yeah, I think so. All right, Tim, what have, what have you been watching this week? You know what's really weird is that I have not been watching much horror this month. Hmm. Yeah, I, uh, yeah. Strangely enough, uh, I'm kind of at the beginning of a really big uh, Wes Anderson kick. Ooh. Um, maybe it's in preparation preparation for his uh, his new movie mm-hmm. this week that's coming out, uh, The French Dispatch. Um, just real quick, I know that this is a TV podcast, but if you've never seen uh, Wes Anderson's first feature, uh, Bottle Rocket, just, just please see it. It's great. Um, it's a weirdly adorable crime story, starring uh, the Wilson brothers, the vastly underrated Wilson brothers, Owen and Owen and Luke. No way. Okay, I'll yeah, have to check actually, it out. Yeah, and yeah, he like like this. Honestly, I feel like Bottle Rocket might be like the world's best use of Owen Wilson. Like they they use him absolutely perfectly, and he's just delightful in that movie. Oh God, I love me some Owen Wilson. He's so he's so good. It's like it's that, and then like his character in Loki. They use they, they make really good use of Owen Wilson in Loki. Oh, I didn't even know he was in that. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm he's... so behind on so much stuff. <laughs> Uh, aside from that, TV-wise, I'm still watching Chucky every week. Uh, I'm still watching the new mini-season of uh, Demon Slayer. Cool. And uh, I think uh, you're watching this as well, Leo. Uh, this weirdo little Netflix cartoon called Inside Job. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if you want to talk about that for a minute. Um, <laughs> oh, I'll wait until I get to my what okay, I'm watching. Right, <laughs> and um, I'm also excited because I'm finally, because I, because I, 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 I have, I'm still on my, my month-long trial for uh, Sling TV. Nice. I have access to, uh, I have access to some on-demand stuff. So I can finally, um, long after the season ended, I can catch up on season two of Tuca and Birdie. Well, yay! I love Tuca and Birdie. It's a good one. I haven't started the second season. Yeah, second season's like I'm, I'm like halfway through. It's 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 pretty good. Oh, cool. I mean, I, it's, it's less of a surprise than the first season. Like the the vibe is very the 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 the, the I mean, you're 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 sunk into the vibe by by the by, by season two. Oh yeah. But it's it's just as good. Cool. Uh, so I have hogged the floor enough, Leo. What have you been watching? Well, I have actually been watching a lot of scary movies this this uh, spooky Halloween month. Um, I've been watching A Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge, Halloween 2, Child's Play 2, Warm Bodies. A lot of sequels for the most part because, um, you know, I'm very familiar with the with the, the first installment of these uh, of these franchises. Some shows I'm watching Dear White People. I finished Inside Job. Like immediately, as soon as you, <laughs> as soon as you mentioned it in the Discord, I was like, I'm binging this now. Oh, you laughed me real fast. I watched, I watched episode one, and then I think my friends called me to play, uh, to play some Back for Blood. Oh, nice. And then the next day, <laughs> and like the next day, you were, you were like, oh yeah, episode. I just finished episode nine. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Leo, Leo left me far in the dust on this one. <laughs> 
I have a problem. As I have this weird fixation thing. Um, it, it, whatever. We'll we'll get into that some other time. But yeah, um, Inside Job was so good. I finished Centaur World, which is a, a musical cartoon, much mm. more kid focused than than most of the cartoons I watch. Um, but about Inside Job, wow, I so relate to the main character Reagan. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like we've all got a little bit of Reagan in us. I'm so I'm overworked. I'm tired. I want to do the best at my job, running all these crazy characters in the newsroom. <laughs> a, a little bit of background on Inside Voice. Um, it was created by uh, one of the head writers and the creator of um, Gravity Falls. They actually show a little postcard that's that's exactly in the Gravity Falls postcard style. Oh, that's so cool. I didn't say I, I didn't catch that. I have a picture. I'll send it to you. That's great. Yeah. Um, and and basically basically this uh, it's 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 an animated it's an animated, um, animated workplace sitcom. Mm-hmm. Uh, the best way I'd describe it is if you crossed uh, Rick and Morty with Futurama. Yeah, those are the vibes. Also, I like, love Futurama. We should and, watch and, that. Oh yeah, we should. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Brett, one of the one of the main characters in that show, he is literally Fry. Like. <laughs> Like, like he, like he's, he's one hundred percent just fry. All he needs is Billy West to voice him. Right. So the, the basic idea is that yeah, it it, take, it takes place in this uh this 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 mysterious shadow corporation called uh, Incog um, or not um Cognito. I, I ruined I ruined it. <laughs> yes, I ruined the pun. Cognito Inc. <laughs> and um, basically, their job is to run the world. They yeah. they are they are they're a shadow government. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're run by this like cabal of like possibly satanistic um, robed figures. Something like that. Very welcome to Night Vale. Um, a little, all, a li- very welcome to Night Vale, but also a little bit cabin in the woods. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely yeah, more so. Which we'll mm-hmm. get. Actually, we might get into that movie a little bit later too. Actually, yeah. judging by who created the show that we're talking about this uh-huh. week. Um, and basically, uh, Reagan is the is the daughter of the former CEO. Um, who was kicked out? Who was kicked out of his position because um, he, he he went a little wild. I can't remember exactly what he did, but he's voiced by Christian Slater, by the way. Great voice. Um, yeah, he he went a little wild, and they basically had to they they, they had they had to force him out of the corporation. He's kind of a mix of Rick and uh, Grunkle Stan from yeah, pretty yeah. much yeah. And um, so you so, can see where that went, how that could mm-hmm. go downhill. Sorry. And she's and she's and she and so and so Reagan is about to ascend to the lead of this uh, this task force, which uh, is made up of a bunch of different people. There's a you know there's a super horny mushroom person. There's my favorite. A... <laughs> Magic Mike. <laughs> Magic Mike is my favorite character of them all. Uh, there's um, there's uh, there's Glenn, who is a former uh, he's an army general. He, he gives serious general vibes. Yeah, he's a big military guy, but he's also part dolphin. They spliced him with dolphin DNA. Yeah, and he's like <laughs> incredibly conservative, and he's voiced by John DiMaggio, who did uh, Bender. Yes, I and love him. And he is him. so good. He's so funny. Yeah, I heard that voice, and I'm like, that's Fry's dad from Futurama. <laughs> and you know, then I was like, wait, no, that's John DiMaggio. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'll always know him as Bender. I know a lot of people probably might know him more as um as uh as Jake. Oh Time, yeah, but, no, um, I definitely know him as Bender. I used to binge that one with my dad a lot. <laughs> Oh, yeah, seriously. That's a, that's a great show, too. Mm-hmm. We, well, we've said this twice now. I know. Well, you know what? Our next... <laughs> Maybe one... next week we got to do Futurama. Yeah. <laughs> Might as well. Um, and then there's also there's also uh, Gigi, who runs their social media campaign, and also Mind Control. Yes, I love her, too. And then... Um, oh, man, what is his name? Andre? Andre. Dr. Andre. Oh, God, I feel Voiced so by bad. Bobby Lee. I am so sorry. <laughs> 
Sorry, oh, Bobby Lee. Oh, Bobby Lee. I was like, yeah, Andre. Andre is their is their is their uh, like their 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 cue from cue from James Bond, and he also is very into very into creating and using drugs. Like he's addicted to he's he's addicted to huffing chemtrails. Everything that you can be addicted to, he's addicted to it. Is that there's actually an episode where he can't get any drugs, and it's basically like he's on drugs. Like he, he, he needs, his he, needs mind. He, he needs drugs to be on zero. <laughs> I think someone was like, I think you might be the first person to tell the same boring story over and over again. When you're sober, <laughs> um, but um, but yeah, essentially. So and and so she so so Reagan is about to uh, ascend the leader of this task force, uh, who are kind of like the second in command, basically collectively mm-hmm. in the corporation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the the CEO uh, Jr. voiced by uh, Andy Daly, super underrated character actor, mm-hmm. by the way, everybody. He says that her, her her people skills aren't very good. Aren't very good. It comes off very sexist at first, but I think they kind of they kind of even it out by the end because it, because I, I I think she eventually comes to the realization that well yeah I mean it's not just they, they don't just hate me because I'm a woman they hate they they nobody really hates me they just maybe I could work on my people skills and so she and, and so he assigns uh, a co lead of the team mm-hmm. uh, Brett who's like the super frat boy guy and yeah like I said uh, sexism is very on display. Early mm-hmm. on, but it start, but it starts to turn out that he doesn't really entirely know what he's doing. But really? what's refreshing is that he admits that. Yeah, I he, like he, that. He acknowledges that, and he and he 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 kind of he kind of fell into like the frat boy, you know, white boys club thing <laughs> as a as a defense mechanism. But in general, he's a very very he's a very very sweet, genuine guy. Especially the further we get into the series. Yeah, he's like I said, he's literally fry. He's like a lovable dumb dog. Yeah, exactly. And he doesn't mean anybody any harm. He's always willing to ask for help and defer when he needs to. And Mm -hmm. honestly, yeah, I I, I feel like he's a good he's a good white role model. Yeah, I don't see a (laughs) good white role model. (laughs) That might sound bad, but you know what I mean. Like 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 white people should try to be more like him. Yeah, I I agree. White people. Never mind. Never mind. Um. And I say this, everybody, as a white person, so. <laughs> oh, really? We couldn't tell by the way you speak. <laughs> so, yeah, um, I think I think they fix that whole, like, sexism thing. Not fix it. I mean, it's uh, it's clearly satire, but they kind of tied tie the loose ends on that on the bad with people thing with Reagan. Um, basically, they keep mentioning, like, oh, yeah, she's on the spectrum or she has Asperger's. And she's like, I don't have Asperger's. What are you talking about? And she's 30. And so, like, yeah, it's possible she's probably, like, living her life undiagnosed. But, hey, it's cool. She's she's so in- I love her. She's so endearing. Again, I I relate to her a little too hard. What I, what I love about Reagan is that especially the way they I mean there's there's many 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 things I love about this oh, character. Oh god, yeah. But um one of my favorite things is that um the they is that they didn't just draw bags under her eyes. <laughs> Um, they like read the, they, they they'll change the shape and the size of the bags under her eyes from episode to episode. Like mm-hmm. just judging, like because sometimes sometimes she does have enough sleep and she looks fine. She always has those wrinkles under her eyes. And her hair is always kind of disheveled. A, a little bit, yeah. yeah. So it, it's in like it's in the, it's in like a really messy little mm-hmm. ponytail because she has like short brown hair. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she definitely she definitely gives off the vibe of somebody who is working hard. Oh yeah, I again I so relate to Reagan a little too hard, especially when she goes into her dissociation mode. Moments and she's um, reliving some of her trauma. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Just Bar- Bar- Barrow destroys me. Dude. She finally figures out why she doesn't like people to touch her. I felt so bad. I'm like, dang. I thought it was because you were never loved and like hugged as a child, but it was just she was hugged too much. No, her dad. Her dad was a weirdo. And... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
So yeah. Anyways, I feel like we've talked about Inside Job enough. Uh, yeah. It's it's a, it's it's a fantastic show on Netflix. I this is another one. I'm begging you, people, please. I I, I think it's doing okay on the leaderboards, uh, Netflix wise. I think I, I would think, hope so. I think I think people are watching. I think people are talking about it. I can't imagine it wouldn't get an, another season. I mean, they set it up for a second season. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm just worried. I'm just worried it's gonna get canceled. Doubtful. Oh, come on. Please, I really hope. Guys, just watch this. I don't want this to be canceled. I love this show. It's it's good. Yeah, it's another one I'm very, very concerned of. Please, I don't want Chucky to get canceled. I don't want Turner and Hooch to get canceled. And I don't want Inside Job to get canceled. Please, let, let them come back one more year. Infinity <laughs> Train was already taken from me. Please, I can't have another. I still haven't I still haven't watched Infinity Train. I watched the, I watched the pilot on YouTube a long time ago, and that was it. You need to watch more. It's so good. It, the storylines are diverse. Um and I know, I know yeah. it's an anthology, right? Yes, it is an anthology. It's it deals with the same train, but each season is in different like different time periods hmm. with the train, and it's not in chronological order either. Interesting. Yeah, oh yeah. There, there's 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 a lot there's a lot of like uh, there's a lot of like like kid shows and stuff that I need to like family family appropriate entertainment that I need to catch up on. Still super behind on Adventure Time. Still super behind on Regular Show and uh, Steven Universe. Oh, wow. And Batman the Brave and the Bold and Teen Titans. <laughs> so everything except for <laughs> Batman, I am completely caught up on and have rewatched at least once or twice. At least. <laughs> yeah, I need, to, I, I, need to, I, need to, I need to get it in gear. I don't even think I've finished. Um, I've watched most of Avatar The Last Airbender, but I haven't finished it. And, oh. I, and, I, and, I, and I have not seen any of Korra. Tim. Well, Korra's not good, but... <laughs> so I, I, I hear Korra's amazing, and I hear that it's not good, which no. fascinates me. I love, I love, I love when, I, I love when there's, like, deeply diverse opinions. I'm like, ooh, mm-hmm. this is going to be, even if, it's, even if it's terrible, this is going to be fascinating. See, I'm all for indigenous sovereignty, and it kind of try the... Uh, it just doesn't handle that well. Oh, it doesn't even handle. There's there's uh, there's responsibility issues here. There's responsibility issues, and okay. the first one, it was very like it was very Eastern philosophy. The Cora, it's it's getting into modernization, industrialization, and more um, centrist views slash liberal views. You just have to watch it. <laughs> I'm 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 definitely I'm definitely curious. Like when, mm-hmm. when when something when something makes people. When something makes people mad, I'm always like, okay, I think maybe this is something I need to, even if it's just for educational reasons, I think yes. I need to check this out. No, yes. I've, if purely for science, watch Korra. <laughs> it's it's garbage, but, you know, it's okay, I guess. It seems well animated. <laughs> it is well animated. I can give you that. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I, I will watch Avatar The Last Airbender first. All yes. right, so we before we end up with a repeat of last week, we should probably we should probably get into our show. Okay. What, what did we watch this, uh, this week, Leo? So this week... We watched the iconic Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Ah, yeah, my cousin's favorite show. Oh, really? Oh yeah, oh yeah. She was a, she was really big into Buffy. I love that. I mean, she could be into better things, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> throwing, throwing shade. I just throw shade at everybody. Danielle Smith, you're put on notice. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Please don't hate me. <laughs> so some background on Buffy. Um, it was written by Joss Whedon and Carl Ellsworth and directed by Bruce Seth Green. And um, this originally broadcast on October 27th, 1997 on the WB Network. Now known as the CW. Oh, that makes sense. All these conglomerates just meshing together into entities. I just can't. Um, so Joseph Joss Whedon <laughs> is known for many things like Firefly, Angel, The Avengers, another Avengers movie, and more. He's also known for um, 
I want to say some badly written female characters, some sexist tropes. Um, he's guilty of perpetuating the barrier gaze trope. He's uh, been called out for a lot of onset bullying during Buffy and Justice League. And according to his wife, uh, extramarital affairs throughout the making of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, yikes. Yeah. And you know what? Even aside from the way he acts as a human being, which, by the way, not downplaying at all. Mm-hmm. These are very, very bad things. Oh, yeah. Um, I find myself getting really... Like, I, I just generally don't care for Joss Whedon's stuff as a whole. Neither do I. Um, I, I find myself getting really sick of his, his shtick or his vibe real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I've ever finished a single one of his series. Um, I think I made it like three and a half seasons through Buffy. Wow, and that's I just, far. And then I just kind of fell off. And um, and I don't go back to his Avengers movies all that often, uh, mm. this, despite the fact that James Spader plays a rogue AI in one of them. He's so good in that movie. But um, but um, but yeah, I, I there's there's just there's just we'll, we'll get we'll get into it as we go. Um, oh, I yeah. do want to give a quick shout out though. Uh, Cabin in the Woods, which is a movie that yes. he co-wrote, is one of the best horror satires ever. Um, I attribute that more to his co-writer and the film's director, uh, Drew Goddard, mm. than Whedon himself, though. It does have some of his fingerprints on it, but it's a lot sharper. It's like if somebody gave Joss Whedon a filter and mm-hmm. some and an editor. <laughs> but yeah, um, I don't believe I finished any of Joss's works either. I haven't even watched... Y'all are going to hate me probably, but I don't watch Marvel stuff. <laughs> I haven't watched The Avengers or... Wait, I watched Infinity War and the other one. Oh, wow, that was a hell of a place to start. Yeah. Everybody, like, half, half, the, half the cast <laughs> dies. <laughs> I'm in it for the big stuff, baby. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I, especially especially with the especially with the first the first Avengers movie. Um, yeah, you probably unless you unless you go unless you start from Iron Man and then just keep going through all of them, which I don't know mm. that you would be willing to do. That's 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 kind of what really makes that 2012 The Avengers worth watching, because um, it's really ambitious. It's it's a super sequel basically. It basically takes the plot lines from Iron uh, Iron Man to The Incredible Hulk, Thor, and Captain America, and it basically makes a sequel to all of those movies that just happens to have all of them together. It's it's a very it's 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 a very ambitious thing, and if you've watched all of the movies as they led up to it, and watched all the post credit scenes and all that and all that, and you've gotten to know Phil Coulson and Nick Fury and stuff, it pays it it, it pays off. But yeah, watching it by itself, I've heard people say, okay, yeah, this is uh, this is kind of boring, and it make, doesn't make a whole lot of sense wow. to me. And Age of Ultron's even worse because that one's like packed with all kinds of uh, world building. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. We meet uh, three new superheroes in that one. Jeez. And. Um, yeah, the, the Age of Ultron's not great. There's a lot of there's a lot of baggage on that one, but we're no. not here to talk about Marvel movies, um, right? <laughs> yeah, um, I've seen Iron Man and the first two Thors, so eh. <laughs> I, I would definitely say um, I, would, I would definitely say check out Thor Ragnarok. Thor, Thor Ragnarok is vastly different than the first two Thor movies. I need to watch that just because of Taika Waititi. Oh yeah, directed it, and he's in it too. Love plays him. a plays a plays a rock monster named Korg, who honestly, in my book, is like the MVP of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'm so gay for that because he's because he's like yeah, he's like this giant muscle bound rock monster, but he's just got this. But he's but he's kind of like this like really polite kind of quirky, soft spoken guy with a New Zealand accent. That's my type right there, rock <laughs> monster, just... but soft. <laughs> just, yeah, and, and like, you, you see him, in, you see him in Endgame, and you know he's just hanging out with Thor, and they're playing Fortnite. Oh. <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> Wow, yeah. I love it. 
But yeah, I, I would definitely, I don't want to, I, I, I could describe how awesome Cabin in the Woods to you is, but if you've never heard of Cabin in the Woods or if you only walk past it and you think, ooh, this looks like a, this looks, this looks like, a very, like a really boring mm. slasher movie, don't believe it. Just watch it. Trust me. Um, there's an angle it's and so it is good. magnificent. Oh I don't want to spoil anything about it because that was that's honestly why I love it so much because I had no idea what was going on with it. I just heard it was good. Yes. And I turned here. it on and like within ten minutes my mind was blown. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, wow, this is great. This is tropey. And but like they, they go so far with the tropes. Oh God, it's so funny. I love satire. Oh, it's wonderful, yeah. Uh, basically, so getting back to Buffy, basically yes, the, Buffy. the way I would, uh, the way I, the way I'd pitch this in, in in one sentence, like a log line for Buffy the Vampire Slayer, <laughs> it's ba- it basically asks the question: What if Xeno Warrior Princess was also a high school student in quote modern America, modern at the time? Hmm, the '90s. Um, yeah, it's got a very similar sense of camp to uh, to Xeno Warrior Princess, but while that show takes place in a heightened fantasy world, uh, this one has this angsty teen drama mixed into it. Um, it's ultimately not really my thing. Same. But the total chemical reaction is fascinating. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot like, and I, I think we were talking about this earlier, in, 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 um, a little bit ago, Leo. Um, much like uh, Riverdale, which is on, uh, which is on the CW now, the same, the same network. Oh, cool. Uh, Channel Five here in Southern California. It is. Um, I, 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 I feel, I feel like the show is at the very least a little bit snarky about that kind of soapy, over the top YA stuff. Mm-hmm. But personally, I say, and especially Riverdale, uh, it's a full-blooded, straight-faced police squad-style satire. Well, like I, uh, like I, like I, like I, like I, like I, th- I, th- I think they're messing around. Like, like about I, I, Buffy, huh? About Buffy? A little bit. Huh, I, okay, honestly, okay. Like some of the some of the teen drama is so overplayed. It is that I I feel like there must be at least a little bit of a sense of humor about it. But it, but, but it's kind of like it's kind of like with Police Squad, or as I've been arguing for the past couple of years. Uh, the Fast and the Furious series. I think <laughs> that they're goofing around, but they won't wink. They they, mm. they don't they like 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 they are they are they are holding their poker face hard, <laughs> and they're like no 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 and 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 so you're just supposed to be confused. You're just supposed to be like why why is this happening? Why why are we? Hmm. Why is this so over the top? I, I I think I think that Buffy and I mean like like just let's look at Riverdale. Right. What, yeah, Riverdale. What would like like I I, I really just can't believe. That show is that show is too slickly produced and too well cast and too well acted that they didn't care about what they were doing. I think I I like like I, I can't believe that anybody who was smart enough to put all that work and all of that all of that um, all of that like blood sweat and tears into making into making a teen drama that they would make that that soapy over the top <laughs> serious teen drama be based on the Archie comics without that being kind of a joke. Right. No. Okay. I see it. Yeah. I've never watched Riverdale, but I, I've I watch YouTube videos. I basically watch YouTube essays or video essays on a lot of stuff, and um, yeah, I, I get that vibe definitely. That it's kind of kind of campy, kind of satire. Um, yeah, there was there was this there was this uh, there was like a screenshot that I saw one time. It was I think it was like some football player guy I was talking to Archie, and he says something along the lines of like, um, oh, and by the way, I'm not just talking out of my ass here. <laughs> I have seen like I have seen like like six like five or six episodes of Riverdale oh so many um and I actually might go back to it because it's it's oh. a, it's it's a, it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's a genuinely entertaining show I, I think I think I think if you, if you I think if you think of it as kind of as kind of like they're doing a bit but at the mm-hmm. same time they're 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 also taking some of it they're taking, taking some of it seriously 
but enough that it kind of keeps you invested. Okay, so kind um, of like American Horror Story. Something like that. Yeah, there's okay. there's like a there's like there's like there's like a camp factor to it, but they're not acknowledging it like Joss Whedon <laughs> does or that Sam Raimi does. Like it's okay. actually just like it's it, they're they're just very it, it's it's very very stone faced about it. But there okay. yeah, there was like the screenshot that I saw. Archie was talking to a football player, and he and 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 he says to him something like, "I've been running drugs since I was six years old to support my grandma." <laughs> and I read that, and I'm like, okay, this show is doing a bit. <laughs> Like, nobody could have possibly thought that that was good dialogue. Like, are you serious, bro? It's out of hand. So I, I, I think that I think that maybe Buffy has a little bit of that, a little bit okay. of that streak in it. Because I mean, it, it is it is really goofy about its horror tropes. That's so. True. Why wouldn't it be goofy about its teen tropes too? Yeah. Okay. If that, I can see it as a as a satire, maybe I can stand to watch it a little bit more. That is that 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 is my theory. All right. So maybe we should get into this week's episode. Let's do it. All right. So this week's episode is season two, episode six, Halloween. Now I got a quick question though. Where is Joss Whedon's subversive sense of humor here? It's just Halloween. You you would think that a show that goofs around with tropes as much as Buffy would have a less basic name for its first Halloween episode. It's literally just called Halloween. Yeah, the other Halloween episodes, there's like three or four in, Bu- in Buffy altogether, I think, at least. Um, the other ones have creative names or names that are related to the, the subject matter, but this one is just Halloween. It's so weird. <laughs> I mean, you know, I've been describing it that way as that the very aptly named Halloween. Yeah, I mean, the they're, Halloween they're, episode. They're not, they're not lying to us. Yeah. <laughs> It's the one Halloween episode, and literally everybody knows what you're talking about, unless they're thinking about Fear Itself, which is the second Halloween episode in the whole series that references the first okay, Halloween since, episode. Since there's, so many ho- since there's so many Halloween episodes, uh, so, that, so that thing about how Halloween's quiet is nonsense then, right? Yes, it's nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing ever happens on Halloween, Buffy says. Okay, Buffy, explain all these episodes. Right. All right, so the cast, is, the cast consists of Sarah Michelle Geller. Geller? Geller? I think it's Geller. Geller, who is Buffy. Allison Hannigan, who is Willow. Um, it also includes Nicholas Brendan, who is Xander. Uh, David Boreanis, funny name for Angel. Anthony Head, One Giles. I love that guy. Yeah. Anthony Head is wonderful. Charisma Carpenter as Cordelia, who is uh, one of the actors who experienced a lot of onset abuse from Joss. And James Marsters as Spike, the villainous vampire who was only meant to be around for like two to five episodes, but was kind of there on and off for the rest of the series. Even with this one, even with this one episode, you can tell why. He's really charismatic. Yeah, I actually really like him. He's, uh, he's got a lot. You know, it's funny to me that so many of these cast members were defined by this show. But, like, I know that, like, I, 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 it wasn't until, like, my late teens, I think, that I first started, that I first started going back to Buffy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know quite a few of these, uh, of these actors from different places. So Buffy mm-hmm. kind of serves this weird, like, pop culture cross-section. Like, that... I, like, I, like, I first ran into uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar as Daphne in Scooby-Doo. <gasps> right! Um, I first ran into Allison Hannigan as, um, as Lily in How I Met Your Mother. Mm-hmm. And probably the weirdest, the weirdest one. I first ran into David Boreanaz as um, the final, ca- the final fantasy character Squall in Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> I had no idea. Oh my god! I, I, anybody out there? Even if you haven't, even if you haven't, like, if you don't have a whole, whole lot of interest in like, in like listening to or like playing the Kingdom Hearts games, mm-hmm. uh, go to IMDb and just look through the English voice cast. Like, it is wildly like the, the the weirdest actors pop up in this like the like the the, ma- the main the main characters actually like it's it's su- it's super 2000s the first game came out in 2001 i believe in japan and then 2002 in america oh, wow. um but the main character uh sora voiced by Haley joel osment oh 
that's um, my boy. His best friend, um, Riku, is voiced by David Gallagher, who some might remember from um, Seventh Heaven. And um, their and 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 their third friend, Kyrie, is voiced by Hayden Panettiere. What? That's like, a, that's like an A-list set right there. Oh yeah, all the time. And like yeah, and like and like and like weird like like like, like weird people keep showing up. Like um, hmm. there was a new character that popped up at the end of Kingdom Hearts Three, voiced by Cole Sprouse. What? <laughs> like I I don't know how they keep getting these people. It's it, it, it's it's so weird because Kingdom Hearts is like a laughing stock, honestly. But like they're they're able to. I mean, I, I'm probably not supposed to talk about Jake Bell anymore, but oh. he's also he's also in Kingdom Hearts Three. What? Oh my goodness! Like all like all these. Like just go to IMDb and look through Kingdom Hearts. Like they 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 wild cast. This is gonna be my new hobby for the next couple oh, days. Oh, my favorite though. I forgot the villain from Kingdom. Uh, from not Kingdom Hearts. The villain from um, it's so great. The villain from Final Fantasy VII, Sephiroth, uh-huh. is voiced by Lance Bass. What? What? <laughs> Wait. Lance, like the Lance Bass. Yes. Lance Bass. Boy band Lance Bass. What? I mean, okay, okay. So, like, Sephiroth does look like a boy band type. And it, I guess he's, yeah, he does look like he, he could be voiced by a boy band type. But Lance Bass. It is wild. Like, they're, they're, like they, they're, they're all over. Christopher Lee pops up in some of them. What? Um, Jesse McCartney. Is one, of the, is one of the main oh characters. God. Actually, he plays two of the main characters because um, there's a guy and a guy that kind of like has his same physical appearance and voice. Mm-hmm. You know, Billy Zane's the bad guy in the first one. Wow, just, amazing. I, I need to stop getting us off track. Uh, we're not here to talk about Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> we're not here to talk about Kingdom Hearts. But seriously, go to, to IMDb, about... <laughs> go to IMDb and look up the, the cast of Kingdom Hearts. It is, it is deeply out of hand, not to mention all of the authentic Disney voice actors they get too for all the characters. Right, yeah, of course. You can't okay. forget about the Disney. All right, so I have uh, hijacked this <laughs> podcast long enough. Look, man, you just start talking about TV and movies and, like, actors. You just go off. I, I understand. <laughs> All right, so getting to the episode recap of Buffy the Vampire Slayer's Halloween episode. So we open with main character Buffy in the middle of a fight with a vampire while another vampire is recording on an old handheld camera. You know, those cool little, like those old ones that you um, have to put the little cassette in. That's just kind of funny. Is that, yeah, we call it an old an, an old handheld camera, which yeah, gave me gave me the warm warm fuzzies from when I used to play with my moms. But um, oh, I'm pretty sure that was like cutting edge technology back then. Though. Oh yeah, it probably was. <laughs> but like, <laughs> like yeah, for the record, yeah, they weren't using a Super 8 camera or anything. Like this is actually like one of those ones that has the um, the ones you could connect to your TV. I, I, I don't think the vampire that was filming the fight was using it, which I think is kind of silly if you're trying to frame a shot. But um, <laughs> obviously, you know, this isn't Roger Deakins or anything, so like he's not gonna be like putting together <laughs> together frames. But like, I feel like if you're gonna film something, don't look at the eyepiece. Use the use the display. That's what it's for. Right? Yeah. I whatever. <laughs> Amateurs here. <laughs> Coming from a film student and a photographer here, like <laughs> this guy, man. Um, so I do. I can say the the fighting choreography and the monster makeup are probably where the whole budget goes in in Buffy. Yeah. <laughs> So she sticks the vampire in the stomach, I believe, and the one filming creeps away into the darkness. Um, I just have to say, like, so do the vampires in this world just need to be stabbed in general, in the general vicinity of the heart to die or like? Or... Yeah, this is actually, this is actually kind of a really, like, really common stuff in vampire fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it get especially like really cutesy self-referential, really cutesy self-referential stuff like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, they get bogged down in like the specific mechanics of like fighting vampires, uh, crosses, mm-hmm. sunlight, holy water, stakes. Mm-hmm. And they forget that the reason all of those things work on vampires. And I think, I think like the stake, if I remember right, has to be part, has to be like a specific kind of like tree with, with like religious significance or something. I'm not sure. <laughs> I haven't really listened to it. But, right. But they forget that 
the reason those things work on vampires is because it's supposed to be about the symbolism of you know good versus evil, light mm-hmm. versus dark, mm-hmm. and most importantly, natural versus unnatural. <gasps> vampires are supposed to be things that are defi- that, that defy the natural order by accepting this curse and extending their lives, possibly indefinitely. And now they can't stand the sight or the feel of anything that is touched or blessed by God. That's deep. So the only reason they're able to be harmed by those things that represent the natural order is because they represent the natural order and that dichotomy between heaven and hell. And they forget that, you know, because like there's 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 like there's like goofy stuff. Like I heard about a movie, I don't remember what it was called, but like there's one where like they fight vampires and like they were using like super soakers full of holy water and stuff to fight them. Like, oh, is that uh oh I know exactly what you're talking about. I think it's the Oh my God, the Lost Boys maybe? It might have been. It might have been like that. But yeah, like m- movies, movies and shows. I mean, obviously, I'm not like mad mm-hmm. about it because because it, because it, it, it's fun. Like, yeah. Like you know they 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 you know they got like a like, the cross that shoots lasers and stuff out or something. <laughs> but like, um, they get really in love with the specific tools and they treat it like superhero fiction. Mm. Um, and, and that's not necessarily a bad thing, like I said, but I feel like it kind of undermines the power of the original mythos. Right. So now that you mention all that symbolism and stuff like light versus dark, good versus evil, first of all, how Eurocentric and um, what are the words I'm looking for? Very uh, evangelically, puritanically. Oh, yeah. Religiously based. The fact that it's Christians and Catholics. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, I, I was before we started recording, I was watching an interview with James Marsters and he was mentioning how the vampires are a symbol uh, are a symbol of um, what these teenagers have to, the struggles that these teenagers have to endure, that they have to overcome in their adolescence, in their in their growing up. So I'm just thinking like, so the answer to defeating your demons is to be a good Christian, go to church, and yeah, that's uh, <laughs> uh, that is an odd, hmm. odd idea. <laughs> hmm. Really makes you think. But anyways, <laughs> moving on. So then we cut to the theme song that kind of reminds me of the original Charmed series. They they use a cover of How Soon Is Now by the Smiths. Or wait, or is that a cover by the Smiths? I never looked into that. Whatever. God, yeah, when I watched this, I... Um... I almost overdosed on those '90s vibes. Right. Um, I could just, I could almost feel a soul patch growing and my shirt turning to flannel <laughs> while I was listening to it. I'm sure that's gonna lie. I'm sure. I'm sure if he listens, our um, our, our advisor Matt's gonna get super wrinkled by that comment. Oh <laughs> man, right. Especially because he does still wear flannels. <laughs> <laughs> he has the whole grunge '90s vibe. I mean, that that was like a b- big part of his life. I'm sure. Oh my God! I'm so sorry, Matt. We love you. So wait, was it was it um was it Charmed that uses the Smith song, or is it this one? Charmed uses the Smith song. Okay, because I was gonna say, wait. So is the Buffy song the Buffy theme a real song, or? Nah, I don't think so. I think that was just a, a generic, cool theme song. It was. It was just an instrumental, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, because because I know I know this show has had its struggles with uh, with um, uh, song rights. Oh, they've had to, yeah, they've had like 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 the, like this show and uh, Scrubs are very are very famous for the contracts were different back in the day when they're when they were actually coming out and oh. um, they didn't have the streaming rights the distribution rights so they can only put them on like the DVDs and um, when 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 they came to streaming I guess it was a totally different ball game so they had to like go through and like change songs or make them instrumentals or something to to to, to cover up the songs that they didn't have the rights to anymore. Oh. So they didn't get sued. So I was wondering if maybe the Buffy theme was originally a different song, but and the, and the one that I've known for all these years was just, was just uh, was just a cover up. Dude, could you imagine my would, life would, that be... would blow my mind? Yeah, 
just flip my life upside down. Why don't you? Although it actually it actually wouldn't make a whole lot of sense though, because um in the in the, in this version of the Buffy theme song, like I, like I think I think most people's favorite version of it is the one where I think after after like the first the the end of like the first measure of the melody, uh-huh. um it cuts to uh, Willow screaming. That's cool. I and, love like, it that. Sounds like it's exactly right at that right on the beat. Ooh, they're just they're getting creative there. <laughs> All right, so the episode continues in a, in the cafe slash bar called The Bronze where Angel and Buffy are supposed to have their first date because they're dating or something. Buffy is late because she was fighting that vampire from the opening scene. And Cordelia slides in next to Angel, trying to moisten his DMs, um, trying to get a little slice of heaven, if you know what I mean. Uh, Buffy, she walks into the, the Bronze a little late, obviously, because, you know, got hung up. And she sees that Cordelia is brushing up on her mans, and she gets upset and insecure, and she tries to leave. Don't say a word to anybody and just goes to leave. Yeah, yeah like, doesn't even talk to anybody. Like, oh, communication's not a thing. Buffy, like, come on. <laughs> yeah, I also don't communicate with my partner. Who... Actually, the, the, la- the lack of communication actually is a really big part of Buffy's story in this episode, but it's not, like, an arc. Like, I don't, I don't no. think she learns anything about communication. I don't think so either. I don't think this is one of those episodes where she learns a valuable lesson where, you know. I mean, ideally, they should all be that. (laughs) They should. I mean. If people are going to act as bad as they do in Buffy, they should be learning lessons. (laughs) Please. Like, can we we get over this, like, vapid, you know, Groundhog Day stuff? Um, So Buffy is embarrassed and out of her element. She says dates are things that normal girls have, while other girls think of makeup and such she's thinking of battle tactics and 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 you know beheadings and not, then she's not like the other girls no totally not like the other girls <laughs> i'm not like other girls i'm a vampire slayer <laughs> so she goes to leave not talking about her insecurities or communicating any of her feelings with angel the guy that she's trying to have a relationship with like how do you have relationships without communication and trust anyways yeah, right? so one forbidden vampire slash vampire slayer slash human relationships are overrated Two, it's called time management and a work-life balance, sweetie. Yeah, you know, you know, you know, Buffy. If Spider-Man can put forth an honest effort, you can too. And you know what? Spider-Man has to deal with supervillains that are able to operate during the day. Okay, <laughs> you have no excuse. That's true, dude. She has the endi- the entire days to the entire time that the sun is out. She's cool. She is Gucci, fam. But once the once the sun goes down, that's when things really. So she has time to take a nap. She has time to go to school. She has time to do her homework. Work. I don't understand. Buffy, yeah. get your stuff together. You're, you're, you're on notice, fictional character. <laughs> Three, and lastly, God, I am tired of grown adults playing teen angst and Ew. self-pity. Uh, it, it was It's just always weird to me to have this nearly 30-year-old bodied vampire having a relationship with a supposed high schooler. It's just icky. It's so yeah, and it, it, it's even weirder because like the way they the way they the way they shoot these because obviously they don't want to have minors in play. And I'm, glad, I'm glad they've glad they've gotten over that recently, and they're willing to put forth the money to like school them on set and stuff. Yeah. So that actually we can have authentic teenagers on in movies. Yeah. But yeah, really like nice. the, the way the way it usually goes, like as as everybody knows, is that they have people in their twenties mm-hmm. playing um playing teenagers. And then people in their 30s are playing people in their 20s. So it's even so it's even weirder. It's just so because weird because to me. because just because just yeah like I, I I think I think that I think that uh, Sarah Michelle Geller I think actually a lot of the undercast I think they do kind of read as teenagers I'm I'm okay with it a little bit yeah but they're I'm, they're younger than David Boreanaz when this first started oh yeah yeah um yeah I'm sure I'm sure he was I, th- I think he was like probably like mid to late 20s possibly even early 30s uh, yeah he was mid 20s when yeah. when uh, Buffy oh he started. he definitely reads as older than because I I was I was I was, I was I was 
thinking he was like, I was thinking he was like early 30s. Right? Right? Where's her mother? <laughs> <laughs> this is so weird. Yeah. My mother would have beat me bloody if she saw me with a grown man and it's, in and high it's, school. And it's, not, and, it's not even, and it's not even a thing that like, you know, that, that, it's, not just, it's not just a matter of suspension of disbelief. Because mm-hmm. like because because I mean like if he's supposed to if, if he's supposed to be like late teens too, but he looks a little older, and then maybe it's a little weird, but you can get over it. Mm-hmm. But no, he is literally older than her, way older. Than her. He's like what? He's like three <laughs> hundred. He's hundreds of years older than her. <laughs> And he's not even going to high school either. Like, he's not playing, like, you know, an Edward Cullen thing where he's like, oh, I'm forever 17 or something. No, he is a 20-something-year-old man in this universe hanging around high schoolers. It's weird. It is so weird. Hmm. Joss Whedon, you have some explaining to do. (laughs) So we move on to school the next day because apparently people don't have open conversations about their relationship issues. And Principal Snyder is volunteering students for the volunteer safety program where students take children trick-or-treating for safety and fun. Like their parents can't do it themselves, but whatever. Anyways. I guess. Maybe they just, yeah. I, I, it's, it's, it's strange, yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I, I think it would have been useful like when I was in school because like my parents didn't really like, want, to t- want to take me trick-or-treating. Oh. So if I had that option, <sighs> it would have been cool as a kid. But because that, that was the first thing I thought, ooh, that would have been neat if I was if I was if I was if I was eight years old. Oh, you know, but uh, just a quick side note, though. Um, I love Armin Shimmerman in this role. <laughs> I, I really do love a good campy bean educator character. Honestly, though. Uh, so like, the, yeah, he's, he was carrying these strong uh, back to the future uh, vice principal Strickland. Like, honestly, like, he was like if he had just used the word slacker, he would have literally been Strickland. <laughs> I was or, a... or like or like the or like the teacher in Twisted Sisters. Um, I want to rock video that oh like. God. The summer is over, kids. I am in command now. You're just reminding me of the principal from um, The Breakfast Club. You mess with the bull, you get the horns. (laughs) But he's great. Armin Sherman's wonderful. I don't think I know him too well from... Maybe I do. Maybe I do. He was one of the main characters in... I think he was uh, in uh, Deep Space Nine. I think he was uh, Star Trek. Oh, I need to watch Deep Space Nine. But yeah, I'll get into that eventually. So Snyder volunteers Buffy because she's been seen as a problem student since the beginning. Uh, she tries to get out of it, but it doesn't work. And Willow and Xander get signed up for it too. Yay. <laughs> I love this part. It made me laugh so much. Um, just because honestly, it's I think I think this is just like, this is just like me using what I've learned in film studies class, all like mm. the shot composition. I love that Snyder just had these, pe- well, first of all, this, this, this has nothing to do with the shot. I love that Snyder just had like pens ready for all three of them. He had, he was hoarding those in his pocket. And I love and I, and I, 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 I love I love the actual the actual frame though. Um, he gives he gives Buffy the thing, and so she's and so she's she's in the middle, mm-hmm. and then you know they have that they, you know they have that like that like hero hero trio kind of uh, triangle going. Okay. On, like, movie posters. Look at you. And then um so so he gives her the thing to sign up, and then you know they're saying they they, they I think they say something, and then the way the shot is framed. Um, he pulls out two more pens and he holds it out on either side of Buffy to give them the to give them the thing, and his arms and his body are creating this kind of like V formation, kind of like he's trapping all three of them in. <laughs> Look at your film. It was, brain. Just, it was just hilarious to me. I love that. I didn't even notice that. See, this is this is why it's great to have you on this. To that you're here. Um, so the trio Xander, Willow, and Buffy are all in the cafeteria when Xander's bully Larry asks Xander about his relationship with Buffy and it gets into some dude bro stuff. Xander gets offended and tries to protect Buffy's honor or something and then cue the dude bro aggro session and suddenly Buffy pops over and saves Xander from Larry, apparently emasculating Xander. This is, why, this is why I don't buy into this nonsense. Yeah. Seriously, like, like how, how in the hell is it more noble and less embarrassing to knowingly get your ass beat like that? I... 
obvious, obviously there's uh, there's there's toxic masculinity that affects that affects women. But mm-hmm. this is a very clean cut example of like toxic masculinity that affects men. Oh yeah, you know because like because like yeah like the, the the fact they're basically saying that like it would be better for you to get pounded into the ground knowingly to like actually like you're actually going to you're, you're actually going to be physically harmed. But that's more honorable than being saved. You see that everywhere. Especially especially by a female. You see that everywhere in so much media. Um, It's just you. The kid goes and gets bullied or gets beat up by the bully or gets jumped. And the the kid goes home to his dad and the dad's like, you handled that like a real man, son. Yeah. Like, okay, like support and community isn't something that we should strive for and makes us stronger, but whatever. Yeah, that was actually like, I do, lo- no, just don't get me wrong, I love Guardians of the Galaxy, but that mm-hmm. is actually something they kind of get into at the beginning of that one, that, you know, because 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 obviously I think his mom tells him that he's being an idiot. <laughs> and it actually happens in the uh, the game that just came out too. Ooh, okay. They say the same, the same, the same things in there. Where yeah, like Peter Quill has had had like this hero complex as a kid, mm-hmm. and he would always be. I think like in the in the movie, it was um, there were a bunch of kids who were. Uh, I think they I think they killed they killed a frog or something, and he and he and he and he and he, and he fought them all off, and he got punched in the face, and he had a black eye. And when we meet Peter as a kid, there's flashbacks to his to his childhood in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they didn't really they didn't really they didn't really talk about it, but yeah, he stood. But yeah, he he stood up for some kids that were being picked on. And um, but yeah, but it's but it's but it's that but it's that kind of thing that like um, I mean I mean obviously that's not a that's not a bad thing to do, but the fact that he got physically harmed was a way to show that he's an honorable hero. Yeah, it's weird. And that... yeah, I, I, it doesn't sit right with me. No, I, you know I think it's the whole being willing to put yourself in harm's way for the greater good. That's I I, I guess so. I but I, but I, I do think is. I do still though think that it kind of feeds into this this idea. Of it's not as bad as it is in this in this episode because mm-hmm. this 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 is a non-issue with Xander. And before we move on, I just want to say it's incredibly rich and ironic to me that Xander used Chromag <laughs> as a pejorative. Which by the way, '90s too, big time. That was yeah. Was like, Chromag as usual. Chromag um, as as a pejorative, as though he was being 100 percent progressive and level-headed in this situation. Right? Like oh, like he's any <laughs> like, better? Like you're, not, like you're not being a caveman. Right? Thank you. Also, Xander and Chandler from Friends are literally the same person. I like I said the other day, they only had like five character tropes in the 90s and early 2000s, and. Xander slash Chandler are one of those. It's, it's, it's just the, the way he played it was very it was very Matthew Perry too. Like the thing was like, <laughs> so Larry, what can I do you for? Like yes! that was that was so, that, that, I was like, oh my god, that is just channeling Chandler. <laughs> I'm like a little corny here, but whatever. Um, so that's all over. Xander runs off and does his thing, all to to lick his wounds or whatever. And Buffy feels like she violated some kind of bro code, and Willow responds, boys are so fragile, which, yeah. yes, yep. they are. <laughs> you ever heard of fragile masculinity, honey? Uh, the gals get into the dirty details of Buffy's date from the night before. Once again, failing the Bechdel test, but, you know, I guess we're not here to talk about that. And uh, they envy Cordelia for showing up unannounced uh, to Angel, all pretty and prepared for... She was, pre- she was prepared for another date, but Angel happened to be there and all that. Um, Buffy confides in Willow that she's known Angel for a year and doesn't really know much about him, and she's afraid that she's not his type. So first of all, this is an older man in his 20s, who's really like 300, but he's an older man in his 20s, seeing a high school girl, and they've known each other for a year, and she still feels like she doesn't know this guy. It just seems, it just rings toxic, red flags I mean, just, everywhere. I mean, just, just their roles in society. Mm-hmm. He's a vampire. Mm-hmm. 
her title is literally Vampire Slayer. Yes. And, oh, my God. <laughs> it's so wrong. <laughs> Way to get complicated, guys. Ugh. Anyway, she's afraid she's, he's, she's not his type. And Willow jokes, too bad we can't read the Watcher Diaries, you know, to get a little bit of insight on Angel. And guess what? They think, hey, that's actually a great idea. And um, there's this council of Watchers who watch over the Slayer or something like that, who is Buffy. And Giles, is, Giles the librarian, is Buffy's official slash unofficial Watcher. Ah, yes. The, uh, the, the, um, the, the, high, the high school library that literally nobody ever goes into. <laughs> Yeah, it's only just our trio who goes into this library. They're always able to have 100% confidential conversations about supernatural stuff. Because nobody ever goes to the library for some reason. It's so weird. Like, it's just little things like that where it just, it it, it messes with the suspension of disbelief for me. Because I'm like, come on, guys. I was always in the library. Just outing myself as a... Lonely nerd. I was in the library a lot. Okay. <laughs> By the way, I'm not mad at Giles at all. Giles is one of my favorite characters in the show. He's oh yeah, amazing. He's charming. I like him. So the gals devise a plan to sneak into Giles's office and steal the diaries or diary. Uh, however, Giles, of course, is in the library. Where else would he be? When they decide to pull the heist, so Buffy distracts Giles poorly, and Willow gets the diary. And yeah, <laughs> I loved that whole bit. It was um, so bad. Where, where, where Buffy was distracting Giles while Willow sneaks in to swipe the, to swipe the diary. It was just super campy, and it was like something out of a Perfect Strangers episode. Mm-hmm. I loved it so much. Like, Look what? at me when I'm talking to you. <laughs> I was like, dang, Buffy. I'm watching a lot of old sitcoms lately, so honestly, like that kind of that kind of that kind of goofy, over the top comedy mm. kind of charms me a little bit. Mm-hmm. And Makes I also sense. just want to give a quick shout out to Anthony Stewart Head. He is amazing. Uh, he's one of those uh, character actors. I always forget how much I like him mm-hmm. until I see him pop up in something. You know, he he plays uh, the owner of the soccer team's um, ex husband in Ted Lasso. Oh, I and know that. Um, he was in this. He's in this really weird uh, B movie opera called uh, Repo Man. <laughs> I love Repo Man, the, the genetic opera. I love that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god! Yeah, I've only, I've only, I've, I've only seen it once, and like, I, I, I was, I was, I honestly, I'm like half certain I dreamed it, but I know, <laughs> but I know that I know that he plays the Repo Man, and he is, he's, he's, that, that, that's, that's a pretty wild movie. You just unlocked some memories for me. Yes. Oh my god! I watched that back in high school. <laughs> wow! 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 Anyways, I love Repo the genetic opera. So moving on, uh, Buffy and Willow look over. Sorry, I'm just still reeling over Repo the Genetic Opera. You unlocked so many memories for me just now. <laughs> okay. <sighs> Focus, Leo. You got this. All right. So moving on, Buffy and Willow look over, to, look over the book and learn a thing or two about the noble women of the day based on a single sketch of a woman. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> a noble woman. And Buffy's insecurities are boiling over, clearly, and she fantasizes about being a noblewoman in this time with Angel and you, all that stuff. You know what kind of bugs me, too, about this, though, is um, why did they need a Watcher Diary for that? There are history books. Right? What, so wait, which century is Angel from? Ah, perfect. The 17th or 18th century. Let's go look at some stuff there. Like, yeah, like, why, why did they have to sneak in the Giles' office for that? I don't know, drama? I, 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 get, I don't know, just so we could do that, so we could do that, that, that Abbott and Costello bit, I guess. Mm, uh, <laughs> yeah, huh? <laughs> the comedy, the drama, the emotions. Uh, anyways, so Cordelia comes into the, to the girls' bathroom where the girls are, are hanging out, 
which why the girl's bathroom but anyways uh so cordelia comes in and she tells buffy that she kept angel comfy while mm-hmm. <laughs> while she bailed on him at she's the, the worst but she plays that role so well i <laughs> love her i honestly love cordelia like she legit just escaped from mean girls and it's <laughs> yes you know i feel like cordelia has the most personality out of everybody in this she's, show she's fun to watch she's mm-hmm. very very mean obviously. i love mean fun girls to watch. <laughs> It could be because I'm like super gay and was was bullied a lot and was always bullied by the really cute or pretty or hot mean girls mm. in my life. Anyways, anyways. <laughs> so Buffy and Willow are telling her that Angel is a vampire, but Cordelia thinks that they're just joking, being weirdos like she's like she refers to them. Right. Um. So we cut to the gang shopping at a Halloween store. We don't. <laughs> We might have gotten a glimpse of the name of the Halloween store, but I don't recall seeing a name of the Halloween store. I don't store. either. I, like, I, I, think I, I think I mentioned last night, like, I just could not be bothered less. Oh, God, <laughs> to, right. To go back, to, to scrub back through the episode and see. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we will get to the name of the proprietor in a few minutes. Yes. And uh, it's something else. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's just so funny. And um, Willow wants to be a ghost. You know the whole like sheets, over, she cut, whole eye holes cut out of the out of a bed sheet situation. Teensy Klansman vibes. Oh, off of that, off of that so ghost gross costume. and weird. <laughs> Ew, gross. Um, it, it's even like tied at the neck. It's so weird. Um, Willow is going to be a ghost, but Buffy tells her to let loose, get wild and sexy, or something. <laughs> and Willow isn't having any of that because she's like the nice, quiet girl who just keeps to herself, um, more introverted and stuff. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with that. Of course, no. I, I, Okay, so Cordelia and Willow are my favorites. Um, Xander only buys a toy gun because he already has his um, his army man fatigues back at home because he bought those someplace else. So. Or, maybe, or maybe he had, did, did he maybe have uh, family in the military? Mm, he said he got them from a from a oh, surplus bought... store. Or oh, something. okay, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, just before we move on, though, I, I the 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 Willow's line "Wild on me equals spaz." <laughs> I felt I felt that hard. I looked straight at my girlfriend because she's she's not a spaz. She's uh she's just very um animated and um all over the place sometimes. But yeah, I looked right at her like jokingly <laughs> like that's you, <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah. So Xander is still feeling emasculated and vulnerable when they all meet up at the Halloween store. And Buffy tricks him into a thank you, telling him she'll let him get his ass handed to him next time. Not in those words. But, she you know. should. Maybe she maybe, should. maybe, maybe if he gets the crap kicked out of him, he'll suddenly he'll get knocked loose in his head and he'll start acting like a functional member of society. I know, right? <laughs> Jeez. Humble this boy a little bit. So um, while they're having their whole discourse or whatever, a huge fancy dress um, catches Buffy's eye and the shopkeeper suddenly appears from behind a curtain <laughs> and he sells it to her. And, and he, she's like, I can't, I can't afford this. And he's like, this is an offer you can't refuse. Oh, yeah. And this, the alarm bells are going off. Yeah. Uh, just for God, for God, for God's sakes, Buffy. Good, good people don't use that phrase. That's that's from the Godfather. Yeah, uh, dude, have you not watched the Goosebumps? <laughs> and 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 also just the, just the, just an aside, he gets a little close and touchy. I don't Buffy like it too. Um, although you know, I I mean I mean yeah maybe 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 they could have played it played it differently. Mm-hmm. But I do think that that, that was on purpose. Like the, uh. the, the the design was trying to scream that even though this guy wasn't doing 
doing anything specifically terrible. The fact that he was being so I, I mean I mean we got the same vibes off of uh, off of the guy from um, the Goosebumps episode. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but um, yeah, but yeah, but this, I, I think it was a little more subtly played in this one. Yeah, and you were just supposed to be deeply uncomfortable. I I, I don't think they needed to have a grown man touching a younger a younger <laughs> girl, but I kind of see where they're getting at with the design. But you know, that's a that's a Whedon problem. Ah, <sighs> Joe Whedon. Yeah, another one. <laughs> so we cut to Spike a vampire villain of the series that is occasionally uh, Buffy's love interest. He's watching the video of Buffy fighting from the opening scene. Um, I think he's checking out her fighting style, her battle combat strategy. I think so, but I think also at the same time, he's probably like at least kind of in love with her already. I mean, who wouldn't be in love with the Slayer? Fair. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I, I think Joss Whedon is very fond of that whole uh, that whole that whole enemies to lovers dynamic, Ugh. which uh, it's wrong. Now, by the way, if anybody's unfamiliar with Buffy, um, uh, Spike Spike is what they refer to. I mean, it's, it's it's a common trope, but I think Buffy actually coined it. He's referred to as the big bad. Uh, he uh... is the yeah. Every every season of Buffy has a specific has a specific overarching villain, mm-hmm. and every and so every episode is an adventure of the week. And they and 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 like throughout the episode, just involved with it, kind of like kind of like the show Burn Notice. Mm. At the beginning and end of each episode, they'll move the they'll move the overarching plot of the of the season forward. Oh, cool! I, again, still haven't watched Burn Notice. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so Drusilla, I think Spike's girlfriend, uh, comes in speaking cryptic stuff. Um, she but she does warn that Buffy will be vulnerable on Halloween, which would be the perfect time for them to strike. So we cut to the shot. There's a lot of really harsh, like hard cuts. It's a fast-paced show. Mm-hmm. So we cut to the shopkeep doing some magic at an altar with a two-faced bust of. Um, we don't figure. We don't hear his name or this early on, but it's a bust of Giannis, um, some kind of chaos god who is the division of self or something like that. Again, we get into this towards the end of the episode, which is bad writing on my end, on my in my opinion. Yeah, I, I don't think it's revealed until later on when Giles comes to talk to this guy. Exactly. But um, I just want to—I I, I really just want to point out, just everybody, just, just sit with this for a minute. The fact that this guy—he's doing scary dark magic. He's dressed like the master from Manners. He's speaking—he's speaking Latin. You know, he's surrounded by candles, and you know, he's doing everything short of actually like legit slaughtering a goat. Um, his name is Ethan. <laughs> This man's name is Ethan. It's so funny to me. I, I, had, I, I had to pause it when they revealed, like, 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 like Giles later on is like, hello, Ethan. And I'm like, Ethan? Ethan? Like, there's actually um, one of the one of the Sam and Max games, uh, these like these point-click adventure games. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's like this, there's like this Eldritch kind of uh, Lovecraftian kind of god, um, and he ends up having and and, and and like he he was he's he's like he's like the son of like another like Lovecraftian kind of elder Eldritch god, and um, he is being referred to as Junior. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> and and like and like and, and, and like during the conversation, like it, it's all very ominous and played straight. And uh, the little rabbit guy Max he just keeps, keeps 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 interrupting with Junior. <laughs> just over, he just like six times, and like it's kind of like Ethan. Are you kidding me, <laughs> dude? Yeah, no, I I had to. I, that that's a part I think I had to like go back on a little bit because I was like, wait, you're telling me this man's name is Ethan? <laughs> But it's so wild. Oh my god. Ethan, this guy, Ethan is so, the so, shopkeeper. So Ethan curses the town. <laughs> yes. He curses the town. Woo. But yeah, we we cut to Halloween day and Buffy and Willow are all dressed up while, you know, Ethan is uh in the background <laughs> cursing the town. 
Um, Buffy is going to surprise Angel with the gown uh, that she found at the at the shop. And Willow is feeling insecure in her revealing Halloween outfit. And Willow eventually just throws on the ghost sheet costume to hide herself. I love how terrible like that that um that, that the costume is. Like first of all, aside from the fact that the the there's a there's there's some mild clansman vibes, but yeah. also the fact that it that it, that it says in like a really cheap material boo across the chest. It's so ugly. <laughs> it's it's so cheesy. Also, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that the clothes that Willow wears in this in this Halloween episode are actually Buffy's. That is it, that is her style, yeah. Yeah, it looks just like something Buffy would wear, which is probably kind of something I would wear. I love crop tops. And uh, cut again. We're back at school. Uh, they it's time to take the tri- the kids trick or treating. Uh, Larry is still being a jerk to Xander, uh, still emasculating him. God, I hate the word emasculating. Mm-hmm. Um, Cordelia has an interaction with her boyfriend's bandmate Oz, played by Seth Green. Seth Green, who kind of just drops out of the sky. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I knew he was in the show. I know, I, I know, he takes on like a wider, a, like a bigger, a bigger role later. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I'm not, I, yeah, he just, he just, he just kind of it's like, oh, look at that, it's Seth Green. Right. It's so funny hearing his voice and then just thinking about Family Guy though, because mm-hmm. I just all I can think of is what's his name. Chris Griffin. Chris, Chris Griffin. Yeah. Although, although Seth Green voices a lot of people. He does. He's, he's he's like yeah. He's 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 one of like the main like toolbox mm-hmm. uh, toolbox voice actors on Family Guy. Yeah, I'm actually really glad that he landed a role in Mass Effect too. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Not just Mass Effect number two, but the whole series. And he's Howard the Duck now. <gasps> really? Oh, that's so cool. Okay, I'm gonna have to check that out too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, the gang is getting ready to get take these children out trick or treating. And yeah, then we cut again to outside in some neighborhood where it's dark now. The trick-or-treating has been going on for what seems like a while. And we go back to the shopkeep, Ethan, <laughs> who is chanting at the bust. Uh, some wind howls and weird ch- a weird chill befalls all the gang and the children across town. And suddenly, adults and children start transforming into what they are dressed as. And nobody except Willow knows who they are. Yeah, I, I, this 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 concept is neat, but I feel like it was really inconsistent. It didn't really it didn't really make the most sense that they didn't all they didn't all they didn't all lose their memories. Yeah, I mean, we get into it. Like Willow dies; she literally dies. Her body dies, and she just kind her 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 soul, her ghost, astral projects out of her body. So I don't know. Like I guess she's not really playing a character. I like mean, all I, the other people were. I, I guess that fa- I guess that's fair. This is its own fictional universe with its own rules. Mm-hmm. So right. <laughs> I guess it's perfectly fair that I guess Joss Whedon could decide. Oh well, ghosts ghosts have all their memories. Yeah, but they don't. But everything that I've seen, ghosts don't have their memories. I don't know. It's yeah. It's 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 a little strange. I feel like they needed Willow to still have her wits about her. Yeah, it did seem like a plot device. But uh, yeah, I, I I think I think I think it kind of hurts the concept a little bit. Mm-hmm. It, it is cool though. By, by the way, there's lots of cool monster effects in this. Oh yeah. Oh no, I love it. That's the only re- the only good thing about Buffy. <laughs> um. So yeah, Willow knows who everybody is. Willow hasn't experienced any weird changes aside from the fact that her body died and she's now a ghost of herself. Um, so she dies, she has to projects, and Xander looks like he's been dropped in the middle of a battlefield, quite literally. Um, and Bu- Buffy is a vapid, fainting noblewoman. She's so funny doing that. It's <laughs> so funny. Because you're so, because it's supposed to be like the, the the complete opposite of her usual character that everybody's used to, you know? This is the part when like, I think that later on when, when um, um, Angel comes in, like, you, um, Buffy, go, um, Buffy, go with Angel, check out the kitchen. Um, 
but I don't want to go with him. I want to go with the soldier. <laughs> I want to be with the man with the musket. Do you have a musket? Oh, that's right. Do you have a musket, sir? <laughs> like, a musket? Wait a minute. Uh, Willow finds finds the gang. Uh, Xander and Buffy have some weird amnesia because they've been turned, as we've been talking about, they've been turned into the characters that they were dressed as, but not Willow. Uh, again, I don't know. <laughs> it's strange, yeah. Every every show, every medium, every piece of creative whatever, just, they, they all have their own rules and loopholes. So yeah, Buffy thinks it's 1775 and Xander is just clueless. He's just, he's just, he's just basically turned into Han Solo. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so my favorite exchange here, Willow says about Buffy, she's from the past and Xander says, and you're a ghost. And Willow says, yes, now can we please go inside? And Xander responds with, just so you know, I'm taking a lot on faith here. <laughs> I do, I do, yeah. I, 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 this, is the, this is the side of Joss Whedon's, like, his his, crea- his creative influences that I can get behind. Mm-hmm. He just has this total irreverence to the sanctity of the fictional world. I, 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 I love that, like, characters in Joss Whedon stuff, they never take anything as read, and they're always, like, asking questions about why they're doing the things they're doing. I, I... He, he, may, he may be a scumbag, but... We definitely can't deny that he that 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 in terms of like that kind of writing style, mm-hmm. he really gave us something great. I appreciate that the characters are actually questioning their, the motives and the and what's going on. Because now, yeah, now now every now everything does that. Like there's like there's, there's actually a great exchange in the first Guardians of the Galaxy where um like they, they they've had they've had they've had this thing where like because like because obviously like Rocket, mm-hmm. Rocket Raccoon, everybody in case you're not, you're not somehow not familiar, uh, right? Um, he is like very very um he's like he's just, he's just, he's just very very apathetic to the to the fate of the world. It's all out yeah. for himself. And there's this part where it's like, well, why don't you just let him destroy the world? What's the world? What's the what's the what have they ever? What what's the galaxy ever done for us? Like, why do you want to save it so bad? And um, Star Lord says, because I'm one of the idiots that lives in it. <laughs> <laughs> Which is honestly like they have had that a lot. It's like, well, they 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 they, they get all they get all super they get all super um just 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 yeah like I said super apathetic and um they're like well why should we save the world? Mm-hmm. It's like well because do you want to die? <laughs> right? Like you know you are part of this world, right? <laughs> But you know, I feel like Rocket doesn't really—he's the ca- the type who doesn't really care if he lives or dies. True. Mood. Um, <laughs> I also just like run into things, and I'm just like, screw it. But um, but yeah, if only Joss Whedon had a modicum of that self awareness that he gives his characters. Oh God, no kidding, right? Bazinga. <laughs> you're on notice. We know you're listening, Joss. <laughs> Stop listening, Joss. You're not welcome here. We don't want you here, Joss. <laughs> Nobody likes you. So okay, so it's a moving on. <laughs> I bet you he gave himself that name. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. I, I didn't realize that he. That he I, 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 I thought. I actually, for some reason, I thought that his like God-given name was Joss. I thought so. Too. God-given um, name. <laughs> I don't know. I've heard that before. <laughs> I just love that. Anyways, go on. <laughs> no, but yeah, his actual, his actual like legit name was Joss. Um, I thought so too. I but when I, when I found out that his name was actually Joseph and he was referred to as Joss, I'm like, ugh. Right. Ter- terrible nickname. Oh my god, he's. He, I bet you he was an unbearable, uh, like film or drama kid back oh in the my day. God. <laughs> okay, so the gang, uh, the gang takes shelter in Buffy's family home, which isn't very far away. I think um, the sets are a little weird. Um, Buffy sees herself in all the family photos in the house and is confused because she's a noble woman from 1775. And Willow asks if she remembers anything with no luck. And, you know, Buffy just kind of freaks out because she's a noble woman who isn't meant to know things or think. 
Um, Xander is called away when he hears Cordelia being chased by some big hairy monster, which is very scary, actually. <laughs> that one unsettled me. And um, it turns out Cordelia, Cordelia doesn't have amnesia and she hasn't turned into a cat, which is her costume. Um, Cordelia notices the gang is being weird because, you know, Xander just went and saved her, brought her into Buffy's house. Mm-hmm. And um, as usual, they're being weird as usual, which isn't, you know. It's it, that's just how Cordelia sees them. She knows that they're weirdos, but like they have this whole secret life. And and by this point, she doesn't because I, I I know eventually like she becomes like part of their group. Eventually, um, yeah. She, but she she doesn't she doesn't like actually know that they're out there fighting the supernatural, right? Yeah. No, not at this point, not yet. Okay. But she start. This is when I think this is when they start integrating her just a little bit more. Yeah, she was. Yeah, her the, the way she was acting about all this stuff, I wasn't sure. Yeah. At, at this point, because yeah, this this is the first Buffy I've watched in a while. Like I said, I watched like I watched like three and a half seasons, uh, but it's been a few years. Oh, I don't yeah. think I've watched any Buffy since like we moved out of our old place in West Covina. Wow. So yeah, it's been it's been it's been at least it's been at least three four years. Yeah, I actually started watching rewatching Buffy for this because I wanted to see how it aged. <sighs> it's not that great. Even outside of the social stuff, like just just the just the it, 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 it's so it's so nineties mm-hmm. that it aged like milk. Like it's bad. Yikes, that's nasty. Don't ever mention aged milk around me again. I will throw up on you. <laughs> I'll, I'll walk right out of this podcast. <laughs> um. So yeah, Cordelia notices that the gang is being weird as usual, but she kind of accepts it at this point because you know we're in season two and she's kind of used to it. And Willow explains away the weirdness as some kind of amnesia. And she just accepts that, <laughs> which is why I'm thinking, like, she's being more integrated now. Um, while Xander and Buffy are barricading the house, they stumble upon a group portrait of the gang. A confused amnesiatic Xander says that Willow must be right about the amnesia. And, and Buffy responds that she can't possibly have that because she bathes quite often. <laughs> I love, I love, um, I love, I love old, like, old science jokes. Yeah, the, same. The, the, the movie The Last Duel is, like, full of that, is, like, full of that kind of stuff. Like really? The, oh, yeah, like, like, they, they make, they make, like, some of, like, the, the people in power look like giant, like, giant idiots. Yes. Because, the, yeah, like, they, like, they have, they have some weird ideas about rape. Oh, and, and like the conception of children, oh. that um, it's it, it's it's messed up. But that movie's so dark in a way, like it's 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 hilarious. Like the last duel takes place centuries ago, right? Uh, yes, it takes okay. place. It's like yeah, it's like it's like uh, it's like the 1300s, I think. Whoa, like, 1300s France. Whoa, dark, yeah, old. dark, dark, super dark ages. I say that's old, and yet our planet is like billions of years old. <laughs> All right, so moving on, Buffy. Uh, so. So basically, Buffy is useless and a pacifist and and a coward, the complete opposite of her usual character. Um, And eventually Angel shows up and neither Xander nor Buffy recognize him. And then this all this is happening while Willow goes to Giles for help. Took him long enough. I know. That that was that was actually that was actually my that was actually my first uh, my my first thought was like was like yeah like 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 like, like, I'm like like like, like, well let's let's go see a friend and then then I see they go into a house and I'm like why (laughs) would you not go to the library? (laughs) Go find Giles. He's gonna know what's going on or he's or he'll at least know how to figure it out. The safest place for them would be the library too. Yeah, it's a it's a big room, defensible position. Mm There's you know, only school, one or two public, public schools have super thick walls because a lot of them are built in bomb shelters. So like, oh yeah, but schools, a lot of schools were built in that era, right? Duh. <laughs> Dang, history, y'all. Um, so the team kind of splits up into two. Angel and Buffy part one way to a different part of the house. This is where she talks about the muskets. 
Uh, they they encounter a vampire near the back door, and Angel has to fight it. Um, as he's fighting, his ugly vampire face scares off Buffy, and they have to go and find her because she's run away. Well, the one thing that drives me really crazy in early Buffy is, um, for some reason, like Fang prosthetics were something that really like eluded them. Mm-hmm. So like they, it's always very clear that they're wearing fake teeth when they turn <laughs> into vampires, and it reminds me. Um, there's this episode of um, it's always sunny in Philadelphia where um, they're trying to. It's 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 like a, it's like this weird kind of it, it it it's a fake story. They're obviously lying. Yeah. They're trying to get their bar named a um, a national landmark, <laughs> and so they tell this story about how. It was a. It was like a, it was like a key place for revolutionaries in the 1700s, mm-hmm. and um, one of the one of the characters, uh, Mac. You know, he, oh, he's, Mac. He's, he's got Mac. he's got his 1700s um, character. He's MacDonald in that one. Um, <laughs> he's trying to like get. He's trying to get in with the. Uh, he's trying to get in with the um, with the with the with the patriots. So he so he gets so he gets wooden teeth put in. Ew. And and so and so when I'm, I'm, like whenever he talks, like it, it always sounds it always sounds like he's like he's got like he's got his uh, like he's got his mouth full. Ew. So he's just like so like so it's like there's, there's like this part too where like they're trying to get in with they're they're also trying to get in with the uh, with the loyalists. Mm. So like and so and so and so and so, the, and so um um like Dennis's ancestor is trying to like teach him how to talk like oh yes <laughs> and like but but he has the wooden teeth in so he's like yeah. <laughs> But he's got that, and that's what the vampires sound like in Buffy. It is, yeah. They do sound like, like they didn't practice, or like the, the the prosthetics are just too bulky. They're too, yeah. They always they also like they have their mouth full of like those cheap plastic vampire teeth that like kids got in um, Halloween goodie bags. I hate those. And yeah, it just it just they they always they always sound like they always they always, they always sound like idiots. And like yeah. I, and, I, and I'm just like I, I'm not afraid of you because you're talking like this. Yeah, I'm <laughs> not afraid of you because you sound dumb and ridiculous. <laughs> So Willow and Giles figure out that only people who have bought costumes from this specific shop, Ethan's, Ethan's. <laughs> has turned into mo- have turned into monsters. Um, this is all thanks to Cordelia having bought her costume from a Party City type store and realizing like, oh, she didn't turn, but we did. God, God bless capitalism. Yay! <laughs> I got the day. Lo- <laughs> <Yet> again. <laughs> thanks capitalism. <laughs> Chain stores. <laughs> uh, you can't trust these mom and pop shops. You might get cursed. <laughs> So Spike over here is that Buffy is extra vulnerable, like he didn't know that already. And so he's on the hunt. Uh, Willow and Giles make it to the costume shop and find the bust of Giannis out in the open when Ethan the shopkeep comes out. And so when they talk about like this bust and what it rep- represents, it's it's basically it describes the division of self, which that doesn't make any sense to me as a non-binary person who doesn't believe in gender. Um, Giles is like like male and female and other binary terms that Light I think are just dark. so tired. Yeah, exactly. And, and I'm of course, like my favorite. Oh my god. Chunky and creamy. Oh wait. Oh wait. That's peanut butter. <laughs> that is such a Joss Whedon joke and it was just ugh, way way too cute for my taste. <laughs> I, 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 I I I paused it and I was just like, ugh. I would come on now. I didn't pause it but I had the same reaction. I was like, ugh. Right. Like the, the, the two genders, chunky and creamy. Like this doesn't oh my god. <laughs> No, <laughs> but yeah, I just I'm just like I just think this, re- read the room writers like I, this is not the time this is not the time for any jokes honestly mm-hmm. but definitely not a joke like that. God, Ugh. like I cringed. I physically it's cringed. Bad. It's, it's real bad. <laughs> so it turns out that Giles and Ethan and this is when we name drop Ethan. Giles and Ethan know each other. Ethan calls Giles the Ripper. So it it this Neat. yeah right Intrigue. cool. <laughs> 
So this, obviously, this is where they're starting to introduce that Giles has a dark backstory and all that. Um, but we cut to Buffy nearly being assaulted by Larry as a filthy pirate because um, he also got his costume from the same shop, but we didn't see that. That was off screen. Uh, Xander comes in and saves a day. Cordelia and Angel show up right behind him, and Buffy cowers in fear of Angel, ex- exclaiming that he's a vampire. But um, earlier in the show, when they were in the bathroom, um, they they told Cordelia, the girls told Cordelia that but the Angel is a vampire, so she's just playing. Off- I'm, I imagine they're playing off of that, where she's like, "Oh no, he's a good vampire," and then she makes, and then Buffy feels more at ease. Willow finds the gang. I don't know how she manages to find them because they're because they were chasing Buffy, who ran out of the house to God knows where. So how did Willow track them down maybe in she's this just exact an ex- alley? Maybe she's an expert tracker. She maybe just, she, she, is. Just, she just, maybe she's like a tactician. She just knows. Okay, well, <laughs> the odds are pretty good that if they were that if they were being chased, they'd head due northeast. <laughs> and oh my God, <laughs> this show. Okay. The more we talk about this, the more I realize how badly written this is. It's it, full of So many. So, yeah, she finds the gang, and they all have to find shelter. Uh, Ethan and Giles get reacquainted. Uh, Ethan revels in his li- little stunt that turned the whole town into monsters, or most of the town into monsters. Um, there's more to Giles' backstory, and Ethan teases that heavily, because I'm pretty sure, again, this is the first time the audience hears of that kind of stuff. Um, Giles starts swinging. He starts to throw down, which is oh, really he cool. Flattens him. Like, yeah. Like, Ethan had Ethan had no chance. Dude, that, I thought that was so cool. I was so like, wild, 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 wild. It sounds it sounds it sounds so wild on paper. This the the big fight scene of the episode. Ethan right. versus Giles. <laughs> <laughs> Ethan, little old Ethan. <laughs> But even like Giles, Giles sounds like a, like a butler's name. Like it I'm does. Just like, 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 like I'm just like, I'm just like this Ethan versus Giles, <laughs> the battle of the century. So this rich trust fund baby versus his own butler. Got it. <laughs> so cut back to the gang. There's so many cuts, so many cuts from scene to scene. Um, the gang and Cordelia and Angel make it to, the, to some warehouse and they try to hold the ground against Spike there. I don't know how Spike find, found them there either. <laughs> oh my god, why is there so many of these? He's got them cornered and he has Buffy by the, by the wig um, when Giles gets a solution to the spell, uh, which is breaking the bust of Giannis. And I, I feel like destroying a bust would cause more curse, but... Yeah, because if it has magic powers, it's got something inside of it. Right, exactly. Like, wouldn't you, wouldn't you just, like, release some kind of dark wizard or sorcerer or something? I don't know. <laughs> the, this is how things work in my brain. All right, so when, when, the, when the bust is broken, the kids turn to normal. Xander's gun is a toy gun again, just love as that, he... Love that shot, by the way. Yeah. The, 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 he, has, he has the gun up, and then he puts it down, he brings it back up, and it's a toy yes. again. Yes, I love that they do little tricks like that. It's just, it's nice. It's seamless. Buffy is able to kick Spike's butt again because she's back to normal. With no problem, yeah. Yeah, woohoo. All she had to do was swing and kick, but whatever. Both Ethan and Spike get away, but the core gang is safe. Uh, Angel and Buffy's magnetism is really strong, and Cordelia, Cordelia and Xander hate it because Xander's trying to get at Buffy, Cordelia's trying to get at Angel. And, oh yeah. yeah, that's 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 that, that that was that was another thing that made me roll my eyes was when I think when he was talking to uh, like so you and you and Buffy are just friends right earlier on when he's talking to Larry. Um, I don't really see it so much as a friendship as as, uh, as much as a uh, an inroad to future bliss. And I'm I like, hate Ew. that. I hate that so much. That was so nice guy waiting to get out of the friend zone. And like, and, I, and I think Xander has a tantrum at least at least once in the show over that. At least once. No, I mean. Come on. he's head over heels for her at the beginning at the very first episode he's like wow who are you and he makes a fool of himself of course because he just babbles on and on 
why did 90s man the 90s <laughs> 90s writing it was, really, it was really, one of the things really funny to me though was when um when spike left it was he was really, just gone it was he really left it was really funny to me that buffy like didn't try harder to take spike out right then and there she could have killed him yeah exactly and it was it was, it was, it was kind of like in like a, in like that split second spike had a change of heart and they just had this understanding no no no, no. this is a season-long arc we got to respect the story arc <laughs> We and, have to save this for our love interest later. And I love how and I love how he how like how the, the he, 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 he like runs out of the room very much actually like in last week's episode um, when when Dick left the when Dick left the Halloween party. Oh yeah. Like 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 the way he ran out, he might, might as well be going yeah. <laughs> like the only thing I was missing was him literally shaking his fist as he left. I'll get you next time, gadgets. <laughs> literally, I'll get you ne- next time, Buffy. Yeah, I don't know. It was it was really silly. It was just cut so awkwardly. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think they put a lot of thought into this. I, I, I think it was, like... Yeah, I think it was. I think it was just. I think it was just that of the performance that got me. Just the way the way he ran. I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Run away, little little vampire boy. All right. So after all that commotion, they're back at Buffy's place, I believe. Uh, Buffy and Angel, and they have a talk. I guess. Finally. It's not really much of a talk, not really much of a conversation. There's not really any vulnerability. There's no like, I don't know, not the things that I would like to, that I like to see in my own uh, interpersonal relationships where we, if we have issues or misunderstandings, we come together and we actually talk about these things. I don't know. Anyways. Um, so Angel asks why why Buffy wanted that dress and why she wanted to dress up as a noble woman. And she says that she just wanted to impress him or whatever. But he didn't like noble women of that day, which is funny. So you can see on her face that she feels silly. Um, and that kind of, that's the end of their talk. They just start making out. You know, I, I that, that that I don't blame the writers of the show for. I think that might have been just like a WB thing. Uh, like WB has got to like, no, nah, no, nah, there's got to be at least one random super hot scene. It wasn't hot. Well, yeah, I just, <laughs> just stuffed. Yeah, they, they, they put forth their best honest efforts. I don't know. I mean, I'm not the arbiter of what is hot and what isn't, though, because I'm am ar- aromantic and asexual. So it's like, I don't know, you know, but I know when things are coded to be hot it wasn't hot it just wasn't i i i I feel yeah did did nothing for me either yeah (laughs) so again back to my my question where is buffy's mom she just kind of comes and goes as she please doesn't yes yes why is this teenager allowed to bring this mid-20 something man into her room and make out with him like they keep the door open but but where's her mom and it just bugs me because like I I know I know you were saying that you're not that you weren't like that you weren't like satisfied with the degree to which they talk. No, I'm not. Um, but I I mean I guess the facts just I I, I guess the, the the degree of personality they have I I, I guess this did the job. Ah. But on and, and honestly, this conversation was literally all they had to do. Many problems in this episode could have been totally sidestepped if she hadn't had just decided to turn tail and leave the bar at the beginning of the episode. Yes. They literally just had to talk. A five-minute conversation, if even that. If that, that, if that. I hate it so much. I hate writing. You know what? Let me write something. I will do it better. But anyways, so... The episode ends when Giles revisits the costume shop. It's all empty and a mess. And there's a note from Ethan. <laughs> from Ethan's shop. It's 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 It just says, be seeing you soon. Ooh, ooh, Ethan's coming for you. Ethan, <laughs> Ethan is coming back for y'all. <laughs> Jesus. All right. And, yeah, I, that, and that wraps up the plot of Halloween. 
Yes. So how did you feel about this episode, Leo, as if the listeners don't already probably know? <laughs> well, I kind of loved it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, this was a sparkling example of... <laughs> this is peak writing right here. Excellent tight screenplay, <laughs> wonderful, wonderful uh, expressions of gender and sexuality oh, yeah. and... <laughs> and relationships, whatever. I don't know. Um, no, okay, so... First of all, was there a single black person or any person of color in this episode? Was there anybody anywhere near my skin tone? Look, I'm not, I'm a light-skinned Mexican. I'm more like a caramel macchiato type of tone. But there's no one even near my skin tone in this. I don't for, for that matter, are there even anybody, any non-white people in the show? I don't think so. I, uh, I think it ages badly, mostly because of that. Because there aren't any people of color in this um it that's kind of stuff all these i was i was really into you know tv and movies back in the day and of course we've only recently been integrating more diversity into our into the things that we watch so um mm, this one's a hard one so for the longest time growing up i greatly wanted to be super skinny super white blonde blue eyes ugh, all that stuff um Ugh, it's just really weird even talking about it. Um, yeah, and uh, shows like this kind of fed into uh, me wanting to reject myself, my the dash of melanin I have, my what do you want to call, call people call them ethnic features. Um, yeah, I dealt with a lot of internalized racism and um, a lot of insecurities growing up, up until quite recently in my adulthood um so yeah like it's it's just shows like this that are really harmful in that sense where it's not overt but it's enough to make little kids feel like something is wrong with them for not looking like the white people on screen you mm -hmm. know <sighs> okay <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do i do feel you on that one i i obviously obviously i'm a white person so like appearance wasn't a, wasn't a, wasn't a, wasn't a problem for me mm -hmm. but there was a lot of um social stuff Mm -hmm. You know, like just think things, things that got you made fun of yeah. on, on, on TV. It's why it's why it's why whenever somebody take like state something as a fact in like a sitcom or something mm -hmm. um, that like 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 Seinfeld really chapped me until I realized, oh, um, Seinfeld's satire. You're not supposed to like <laughs> these people. They have they have they have bad, toxic ideas about society. Mm -hmm. And that's the point. Yeah. Uh, but like when I would watch stuff like uh, that 70s show or a little bit of or, or a little bit of friends that I saw, this the stuff that would get people made fun of was you know stuff that i thought was okay and i would and i and i and i would feel like i was living like i was living life wrong i'm like is this why i don't why i don't have any friends because i'm doing everything oh. wrong God. You know, and and it, it, and 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 that's something I really like to push hard back against. Is that kind of um, is, is there, is any any kind of any, uh, even if it's like like in, in your in your in your case it's appearance, and in my case it's more like emotional and social stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I push back against anything being treated like it's the only norm because there's yeah, many. The, like the, the, there is no such thing, you know, capital T, capital N, proper noun, the norm. Yeah, <laughs> there's many of them. Many things are normal. I mean, especially now we're getting inching very slowly, inching closer to that being a reality that mm -hmm. just many things are just the way things are allowed to be. There is no normal. There is just being, you know, it's, it's, it's why it's why I love stuff like, like, like some of the sitcoms we're getting nowadays. 
like um, I know Parks and Rec was a big one for me because because mm-hmm. par- Parks and Recreation is such an accepting show of everybody. Really? Oh yeah. I haven't watched that one. You know, they, they make fun of each other a little bit, but generally they are like they're they're very like there's no there's absolutely and, and Brooklyn Nine Nine pushes it even further. Oh yeah. They are that like they they're, they're they 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 even they even like go so far as to like 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 there was like there was like there was like there was an episode I think where like they were they were doing they were doing that thing where the guy's girlfriend was hanging out with another guy and the boyfriend was getting jealous. Um, but like that was kind of like the, the, they they pivoted off of that real quick and actually like he was like like, like he was like talking to somebody about somebody else about it. I was like I'm, like I'm just so jealous. And I know that's a horrible toxic not okay emotion. There you um, go. And I really shouldn't be feeling this way, but I can't help it. Aww. Maybe I should talk to her. And then he did, oh. and the problem became something else. Oh, see why can't people do that stuff? Come on, stop being jealous. <laughs> it's a normal, healthy. Well. It's a normal emotion. It's a normal yeah. thing to feel. Te- television, especially in the '90s and early 2000s, though, I think we can definitely agree. It, it, they, they, they kind of, they kind of stuck a claim, and they just said, "No, this is how, this is how you're supposed to be, yeah, in some way, shape, or form. And if you're not like this, then you have strayed. You're doing something wrong." Yeah, for someone being born, you know, a lighter-skinned Mexican and uh, with a dash of melanin, who's always been really queer throughout their entire life. I've always been known as the weird kid, the unique kid. Like, I've always had, quote, weird interests, I guess. I don't know. I was just always an outcast. (laughs) And I was the new kid a lot. Um, I was bullied a lot. And, uh, yeah, so it's like... As we're seeing, oh, man, seeing these things, it's just reinforcing the the hashtag norm. Um... I don't know. It's I don't like them, and it's funny that you push against things that are not the norm, because I've also I also do that. But like <laughs> these days, I'm more outward about it, more camp, more. I mean, you see, I mean, my makeup is so loud. I have they them earrings, you know. <laughs> Y'all can't see me, but I'm looking hot today. It all it all it all comes down basically to just to just to just finding finding what makes you you and accepting yeah. it. Yeah. I, I used to think that in order to fit in better with society, I needed to be more extroverted. But <laughs> one day I realized that exhausts me. Yeah. And I've learned that, you know, it's 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 per, it's perfectly okay. I mean I can I can maybe, you know, turn up the dial a little bit, not be so shy, but it's okay if I just want to go. Um, it's like yeah, like the view- viewpoints. We're having a Halloween party this weekend, and you know, I there there were years in the past where you know, I'm, I'm not planning on dressing up. You know, <laughs> I I and, and maybe no. people, maybe people will judge me for that, but you know, that's just how it's gonna go. I I don't I don't Fine. feel I don't feel I don't feel I don't feel like it's me. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's 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 talk of drinking games. There's God, talk I can't of do that. All this kind of stuff, and I don't intend to really. I, I, I what I, what I, what I want to do is, I just want to have a few drinks. I want to watch a movie. Yeah. And I think, and 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 part of the 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 bulk of the growth that I've that I've gone through, the, especially these past uh, five to seven years, mm-hmm. um, especially I've I've just learned that yeah, like I, um, just just because I'm sometimes quiet doesn't mean that people don't see me. Yeah, I can I can speak up when I'm ready to speak up. I can come into the sound booth and work on stuff, and nobody sees me for for like an hour, and then I can come out and hang out. And yeah, nobody's judging me for that. I, although I do normally just pop in and bug you in the sound booth, just to be like, "Hey, what's up? How's it going?" <laughs> so yeah, wait, where was I going with all this? <laughs> um, yeah, no, I'm all like, I'm more of an ambivert. Like, I'm able to like turn on, turn up the dial 
more easily than some people. But man, socializing is so exhausting. Drinking games, exhausting. I'm more of a chill, like, I'm more of a chill dad. More of a cool, like, laid-back uncle type of, type of guy. Um, yeah, um, took me a while to come into my own, too. But anyways, let's get back to this. How does it hold up? I think we've gotten a little personal enough. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so um, moving on. For me, so I've mentioned that I tried rewatching Buffy the Vampire Slayer just to see what was up with it. God, Buffy the Vampire Slayer is such a difficult one to watch for me. Oh, yeah. The writing, unimaginative, despite the fantasy setting and magic and the world of possibilities that that entails... You could get creative, but I just feel like it doesn't. The acting falls so flat. Dialogues are rushed. I feel like people need to, like, slow down and, I don't know, take a breath when they're doing their dialogues. Maybe do another take. (laughs) There's an attempt at giving characters personality, but that also falls flat. It all comes down to the 90s, too. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, The fight choreography and the monster makeup are decent. They are cool, yes. I love Cordelia. She is a mean girl. I, lo- I just love mean girls. I just want them to step on me. <laughs> um, I have tried to revisit and watch this series several times throughout my life because uh, the one gay adult icon in my life when I was younger, um, they, they he introduced me to, to Buffy and a whole bunch of other really cool, magical stuff. But I've never been able to finish it. Sorry, Gary. It, it, get, it, get, it gets a little bland. I think I think I actually don't remember where I got exactly. But I know I know there was an episode that I got real super bored of. It was, it, it was it, I think it was after after um, after Angel turned evil for a little while. Ugh. <laughs> and then after that arc and there was kind of like the reconciliation between her and between between him and Buffy. <laughs> yeah. So sorry about that. Um, good. <laughs> um and yeah, like there was there was there was like this super angsty scene, and I was like, okay, I'm fall- I'm like, I was legitimately falling asleep. I was like, okay, this is <laughs> so boring. Yeah, EC. And then yeah. I just stopped watching it. I turned something else on, and mm-hmm. I actually might have discovered a new sitcom that that day. I don't remember what it was, but nice. <laughs> yeah. So this last week that I was trying to watch Buffy, like we would get through like maybe two, three episodes, and my girlfriend and I would be like, you want to watch something else? <laughs> maybe something scary. I don't know. Gotcha, yeah. Uh, the one good thing about about this episode is the the trope, the humans that have turned into their Halloween costumes trope. Halloween Town does it. The Fairly Odd Parents does it. I'm pretty sure the Twilight Zone does it. It's one of my favorite tropes. I don't know. It's I think it's cool. It is always cool. Yeah, maybe it's because I'm always I've always been seen as a monster or something. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> um, but yeah, y'all know y'all know me. I love a good Halloween episode because there's hopefully not much you can get wrong with that. I mean, the romance plots are. Dole is a boulder, um, but I think the audience was eating that up at the time. I'm, I'm wondering if those were studio notes. Oh, because um, I know that I know that uh, WB has always been known for that kind of Dawson's Creaky, um, angsty, angsty teen romance. So nasty. The yearning is overplayed. Oh yeah. Um, I found it kind of creepy. You know the whole love interest between uh, Buffy and Angel. Uh, I feel like men in their twenties, vampire or not, should not be dating high schoolers. That dude's in his three hundreds. I, 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 yeah. I, I we, we need to remember this. Well, yeah, he's three hundred years old. Um, it's 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 in the late nineties. I don't know, man. It's start date some date a vampire your own age. <laughs> the humor was kind of funny. Um, I did chuckle a little bit throughout this episode. The slut shaming and the fat shaming were at a very minimum, so that's nice. Uh, too long didn't read. Basically, thumbs down. Uh, the f- 
the fun Halloween shenanigans don't really save this episode from the toxic waste dump known as Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> it's pretty bad, yeah. Yeah, so that's my take. What do you think, Tim? It is going to be a no for me as well. Um, yeah, I, I concur with pretty much everything you said. I add a few things because we are running short on time. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't call this the world's most backward episode of television or anything, but uh, yeah, there's a lot of things happening in it that we just don't do anymore for very good reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, what really sunk this one for me, though, truly, was the whole uh, Xander-Buffy dynamic. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fact that his transformation into your garden variety alpha male, <laughs> uh, you know, the, the silver lining, though, is that um, Nicholas Brendan is fantastic as the Han Solo-ish soldier. Yeah, he's pretty great. He's, he's, pre- he's pretty funny. Um, it, you know, it, it, he's, he's, yeah, that, 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 that's good there. But, but yeah, the fact that that was treated as an improvement on him and actually it was a downgrade once he went back to his normal, his normal life, like, like Cordelia was kind of into him for a second. Oh, that's true. And then that just melted away in an instant the second he became normal again. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the fact that like his arc kind of ends with him being able to finally have the chance to kick that bully's ass. <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was his big victory. There is nothing more... Um, ooh, man, I've, I've experienced this once. There's nothing better than, you know, walloping on your, on your, your school bully. But yeah, <laughs> but but, but yeah, I, I, and, and you know that that's that's usually that's usually not a, that's usually not a terrible thing. Yeah, it's just in this case the fact that it was kind of treated as okay, all right, we have righted the cosmic wrong of right. a woman saving a man. <laughs> like oh no, like that's the worst thing that could happen in this world. It was just reinforcing that super antiquated, you know, a man's problem is only solved if it's if it's solved with his fists. Yeah, <laughs> that I've just never Madness. been able to get behind. I, you know, I I, I could. Chalk it up to them being idiot teenagers, but nobody mm. learns anything mm. from this dumb behavior. And that's the only time getting into things like racism and sexism and, you know, transphobia and fat shaming. It's the only time that's acceptable is when it's being, tre- it's being treated with the right attitude, as in, this is bad. We mm-hmm. shouldn't be doing this. Mm-hmm. And the character learns their lesson. Right. Or not, not necessarily, because I know Seinfeld gets into some pretty bad stuff. But they're usually punished, and they learn nothing. Ah, <laughs> uh, wow, awesome. Yeah, like they, like they like that like the the show the show the show torments them for living for living a for living a for living a crappy life as it should. And uh, but yeah, so I, I, I there are there are good ways to do it, but this reinforced all those ideas all those ideas, and it just yeah it it just, it, it just didn't sit right with me. Mm-hmm. And I can only conclude that the writers were on board with the whole men fighting over women <laughs> and dating incredibly. Older dudes. Ugh. Centuries old. It wasn't dealt perfectly also, but I did appreciate seeing Willow learn to be comfortable in her own skin. That was nice. Sure, she wasn't, you know, finding her truth. She was accepting Buffy's version of empowerment. But the sentiment was good, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, Willow's always been one of my favorites on the show as well. I mean, you can't help but love Allison Hannigan. She's great. She's so good as Willow. Um, and on a less important note, yeah, I've, 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 I've expressed my distaste. The 90s, too, is something I just... I, it gets real tiresome real fast. I it, it's it's kind of why I haven't dipped too much into like '90s movies and TV because mm-hmm. I Same. just don't like that 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 style of slang and stuff. It's it, it it's really really bad. It's really strained. It feels forced. Yeah, everything's just like super ironic all the time, and yeah, ugh, everything just feels like everybody feels like they're too cool for. <laughs> I just ugh, hate it. Uh, so there's some fun genre savviness to be had here, but mm-hmm. as I said earlier. We just don't need Joss Whedon for that. No. Um, that sort of thing has been done since, and I'd argue, done better. It's the very, very much like, very much like, um, like, 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 I don't think we really need to talk about Joss Whedon's um, 
Joss Whedon's contributions anymore, really, because it's 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 very, it's very much like um, D. W. Griffith, his uh, his silent film *Birth of a Nation*, Oof. pioneered a lot of fantastic filmmaking techniques. But those have been, people, but but better people took those, ran with them, and I don't think we need to talk about *Birth of a Nation* anymore, it's, and we don't need to talk about Joss Whedon anymore. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned *Birth of a Nation* because we were going over um, in 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 Matt's journalism seven mass communications class. We were going over movies, and he did. He took a lot of film classes, and he was talking about how we, you know, um, *Birth of a Nation* influenced a lot. So it's just interesting that you mentioned that. Just connecting some stuff for this week. <laughs> I'm only thinking about it because yeah, we're actually we're watching a *Black Klansman* in my um, oh. in my uh, in my film studies class right hey. now. So <laughs> it, all, it all connects. Connections, all right. everybody. All right, so I'm gonna wrap this up real quick. That concludes our ninth episode of *We Run Shuffle*. Uh, keep an eye on this podcast network. We got some uh, big moves over the course of the semester. Uh, check out Field of View, our sports podcast with Brian Calderon and Jesus Coronel. Uh, there's also Six by Six Theater, which is a podcast that um, I myself uh, co-host with our arts and entertainment editor, Will L.G. Stevens. Uh, we talk about a combination of big and small movies. Last week we talked Halloween Kills and The Last Duel. Uh, one of those is far better than the other. I'll let you discover which on your own. Hmm. And uh, this week our main feature was uh, Denis Villeneuve's adaptation of Frank Herbert's classic sci-fi novel, Dune. Denis Villeneuve. Spoiler. I do not have the Shalomania. Not yet, at least. Oh, I'm going to have to listen <laughs> in to find that out. Uh, check out our website, viewpointsonline.org. You can find us on social media, on Facebook, Riverside City College Viewpoints, as well as on Twitter and Instagram, at RCC Viewpoints. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to find us personally, where can they find you, Leo? The people, the beautiful people, can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Chupacabral. It is C-H-U-P-A-C-A-B-R-A-L underscore dm us episode suggestions or dm us that you love us i also host another podcast outside of the viewpoints universe called the super awesome variety show i will not get into it this time <laughs> uh because we are running short on time but you can find that at super awesome variety show on um on instagram and on twitter at savs pod uh the language is, is a little is, 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 is it's 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 an r-rated show we we, <laughs> we curse a lot i can't help myself wow it's not even pg-13 it's just straight up r-rated <laughs> Trust okay me, it's taking all of my energy to keep it to keep it to keep it pg-13 here. <laughs> um and you can find me personally on twitter and instagram at nacy tim and that will finally wrap it up for us uh we will see you next week when we review i don't know maybe futurama possibly futurama we will we'll, we'll, uh, we'll get back to you yeah thank thanks you thanks for listening bye